You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Roger coming to you on Monday, the 7th of September. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Most importantly, because we're going to be discussing Spider-Man. Also some D2, but that doesn't really matter nearly as much. But we're actually going to start off just on a little bit more of a sadder note. Not necessarily for everybody. And yes, the writing was on the wall for this. But Carbine Studios is closing down. And Wildstar is going away. Now... We talked about this game a lot when it was out and thereafter as well. I had a lot of hardware issues playing it later on after they'd done several of their big patches, the big changes, that it really fucked with my computer. But up until that point, I had actually played the shit out of that game. Like, I played it a lot. And it was my MMO of choice from when it launched to a long, quite a bit later. And... I, I ran a guild for a little while, and I am still very good friends now with people that I met through that guild. So it was, for what it was, yes, there were a lot of issues with the game, certainly. But for the things that it did right, boy, did it ever do it right for a lot of us. And I think that had they marketed it better so that it was not a hardcore and that was such a, a a pillar of what this game was supposed to be initially and that really put off a lot of people and had they put a lot more attention into story because that's one of the things that people kept saying time time again they'd go back if there was story for them a reason for them to be there that wasn't just you know doing the same shit that they'd been doing for a long time so it's too bad because i feel that in the right hands there's a market for a niche MMO that can still sustain itself. It doesn't have to be a large development team, but you can still put out regular content. And it's too bad that it couldn't be this one. Yeah, so when the news broke of this, I actually uh, talked to my guild in WoW about it because one of the things that we did when Wildstar was released is it was a day one adoption for almost everybody in that guild. Like, we we migrated over to Wildstar, we set up shop, and... We all had a really great time in that game. Uh, and there was a lot of things that it did that it did really, really well. But then there were points when, like, the game just beat you down to the point where it was unplayable yep. for some people. Yep. Uh, and we were talking about this. Like, there was sections of the game world where, like, you could progress and you can go to, like, there are cool things. You can go to the moon. You can go to different environments and planets and, and stuff like that if you made it through this one particular winter zone that nobody ever made it. And there was like this one zone that players got to, and it was so spread out and so like difficult to not pull a million things. And then it had lag issues on top of it that if you made it there, like 90% of our guild, like made it there and it just stopped like, because they couldn't make it past. It. And it was sad. But then we started talking about all the good stuff. Like, the housing system is probably the best one that's ever been in a video game ever. Probably. No, probably. <laughs> there is no probably about that at all. I, and I, 
Well, I showed you pictures of the shit that I made in there, I believe. Oh, yeah. And it it was a reason to play at points. And not just for me, for a lot of people, because it was so spectacular. And and I justifiably miss it. I miss it in M- any MMO that I'm in. Mm-hmm. But now knowing that it's just going to be gone, too, and I can't just pop back in and mess around and build something cool, that is really depressing. Like one of my uh, one of my guild members actually made uh, a recreation of the Rainbow Road as his housing plot using nothing but the neon beer signs. <laughs> nice. Like it, it. There's a video of it. It's fantastic. But we were just talking about it, and honestly, if the MMOs out there were companies that were still producing and still alive were smart, they would find a way to hire that team that created that housing, and then put that into their game. Because holy shit, I would play any game that had that in it again at this point. Well, see, that's the thing. You could literally take the game itself down, scale it down to just that, kind of skin it a little bit differently and sell it off as something different, but really drop the price and just keep that alive even. Let people go in and just make the game about housing, about community in that regard. I mean, if it can work for the Sims of building shit and whatnot, then and Civ games for that kind of well that doesn't quite fit as much but you know what i mean like that kind of build a community through actual building community i i i think there's a place for that and i i highly doubt it'll happen but man that'd be cool yeah so that said though we got some other interesting news this week too that thq nordic picked up both amalur as well as uh project copernicus which is pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, remember Kings of Amalur? It's yes. back. I still play that game. It's a fucking good game. It was a very good game uh, until the completely back words business practices of 38 Studios caused it to be shut down. Yeah. Like, I don't even I don't even know who had the rights over the last few years. Um, What's his name? Kurt Schilling. He still owned the rights? Yeah. Uh-oh. Like, he still had the rights. That was part of the whole big problem because... It wasn't owned by the studio proper. It was owned by him. So until he got into, I'm going to guess, incredibly strict financial problems, he was holding (laughs) on to that, which, you know, shock. He got into financial problems. So, yeah. So, yeah, THQ Nordic, uh, a company that has essentially built itself upon buying up and revitalizing old franchises at this point uh, with Darksiders 3 is coming out pretty soon, which is something they bought from THQ. Because they weren't always called THQ Nordic. They used to just be called Nordic Games until they bought essentially half of THQ and took the fucking name with it. <laughs> but yeah, we got Darksiders 3 coming out from them. Looks like they're doing a very good job with that franchise. So now getting a hold of another franchise like Kings of Amalur with a lot of potential. The original game, Reckoning, was solid, very fun, and definitely a good foundation for the franchise that 38 wanted to build out into. And we, we what we saw in that, uh, like, the, the work-in-progress stuff they released of Project Copernicus, which was their MMO version of Kingdoms of Amalur, was very promising. A lot of uh, unique little twists and stuff they were doing with the MMO formula. Of course, by now, most of that stuff's outdated, so they'll have to completely start over. But this is actually good news for... Uh, uh, a really good franchise that a lot of people didn't think it was going to be around anymore, and... Give it up to THQ Nordic, uh, keeping keeping favorite games alive. I, I I'm actually really excited to see what they do with this now. 
you know, the Kingdoms of Amalur struck a chord. Like, I was trying to remember, why do I remember this game? And it's because I played the demos of it while waiting for Mass Effect 3. So I really enjoyed that game. It was a lot of fun. I put a lot of hours into it. Yeah, I think I did, like, damn near everything in the entire game. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those games where, like, me and a bunch of people that I know routinely go back and replay it because it's good and it's fun and the world was nifty. Like they did some really cool shit. So now that the idea that Project Copernicus might be back on the table with THQ Nordic behind it, which has proven that they pay attention to shit that was cool and should have been video games that didn't get made into video games that they can go ahead and, you know, actually make those damn games. Because so. yeah, we know R.A. Salvatore wrote an awful lot of stuff for this setting. He wrote a fucking encyclopedia, literally an encyclopedia <laughs> for this fucking world. See, and this is what I was going to say before when you were saying they'd have to start from scratch with a lot of things. Certainly, I, I mechanically. But, yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean. But the the biggest aspects, the the world building is pretty much done, you know, mm-hmm. presumably. So and that's. That's what's important. That the gameplay they they know how to do good gameplay, so they don't have to worry about that. So that's all secondary. The this to me was a, a brilliant purchase. I so long as they didn't give shilling too much. I hate that bastard. And you know what? The other thing that I think is is interesting that we haven't really considered is maybe they don't go the MMO route either. Maybe they just make a sequel to Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a, another single player game would serve them a lot better right now to, you know, get people back into the franchise as well as you know new players that didn't play the original six years ago. Like, oh shit, going straight to the MMO route is definitely not a good idea. Fuck, I forgot Todd McFarlane was the fucking art director. Yeah, on that. yeah, yeah. Yep. So they they could also do just a, a multiplayer game kind of like Torchlight 2 kind of thing that would be quite a bit simpler and yet still be a sequel to Amler that would be that would get a lot of people in without that expectation of it being an MMO and all that that entails regardless I'm just fucking excited to see what they're going to do with this all I know is with between this and our girl Sissy being the main voice in you know Darksiders 3 they're getting my money all right. Marty, did you play some Forsaken yes. this week? Oh, man. So I played a lot of Forsaken this week. Not as much as I wanted to, but more than an adult should. Um, okay, hold on. Say, Let's put this wait, in the wait, context wait. of Stellaris for you. Yeah, I was about to say, on a scale of one to Stellaris. <laughs> That's unfair, because when I play Stellaris, I can be anywhere in my house. Uh, and, like... I can play Solaris wherever. Uh, we have one TV in our house on purpose so that I can't play video games too much unless it's on my computer and then I'll bet her off. Um, however, I did discover Microsoft uh, Xbox streaming the other day and that it does work on my Mac, on my MacBook if I boot camp it. So maybe I'll be playing more. Who knows? I found um, that the streaming on the Xbox was... Nowhere near as good as the streaming from the PS4, unfortunately. Uh, I, yeah, it, it your mileage great. may vary, but I found that it's nowhere near as good. I I was going to experiment with like moving. I have a wi- Wi-Fi extender that's going to move into my office and then tweak some other stuff around. But um, so in Stellaris terms, I played about half of normal. 
in terms of like grown ass man, how, how long should you be playing a video game for? Way too much. Um, like I had a lot of work to do in the office. You're and, on a uh, gaming podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but still, like I was really tired when I was doing my training uh, Thursday night. So. Joe fell asleep on his couch <laughs> playing um, Spider-Man. <laughs> I did. I have, I, uh, yeah, I almost fell asleep playing Forsaken the other night, but like Shannon made me go to bed. So, yeah, I played right. a lot of Forsaken. So tell us about Forsaken. So I specifically avoided all of the upcoming trailers, like where you see Kate dying. And I knew Kate died like that trailer I watched, but there was other trailers that people were telling me they needed to go see because it was just uh, the in-game cinematic being prepped for us. Um, I really, liked, I was taken aback. What's that? So I really liked uh, what they did with that launch trailer, which I assume is kind of the, the opening cinematic and yeah. that throughout the games, Kate has always been portrayed as like the lovable goofball, you know, and, yeah. and he's, he's, you know, he's, we know he's, you know, good at his job, but we rarely saw it. So it was really nice that in essentially the last time we get to see Cade, we remember, or were at least shown why he is the hunter vanguard. Oh, Cade, when Cade goes down swinging, he goes down swinging. It's, it's heartbreaking. Like when his ghost gets shot and is killed by the rifleman, I was, I, my jaw dropped and I knew it was coming. I'm also a sucker for destiny. So let's, let's, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I am a sucker for this game and for this property. Um, I love Nathan Fillion, but then most of us people do love Nathan Fillion. Uh, what I loved more than anything though, was the recognition, the feel that, Everything we liked about Destiny 1 and Destiny 2 um, is now in Forsaken. Uh, like, there's in-game lore tabs. There are uh, – there's not, like, the achievement book, but it it's basically an achievement book for a variety of topics all divvied up by uh, classification. So, like, lore or flair or guns. Uh, the story is – the story is a great revenge tale and I, I dig that I dig the fact that Zavala uh, the the Titan Vanguard and the big boss was like no we're not going to war with the reef we have too much to do here this is awful but we have to take care of the home front and that's when our hunter says something you're well my hunter your Titan or your Vanguard or maybe your hunter speaks for the first time in the entirety of Destiny 2 and he says one more they he or she or they say one more word after that. And I don't have an issue with that. I don't care if my guardian talks a lot. I feel that I can navigate the world and experience it for myself. I do respect people who say like the lack of a voice uh, prevents them from having a stronger connection to their guardian. I don't have that problem. So um, it's absolutely gorgeous. The gameplay uh, I've said before, and I'll say it again, every single gun in that game has a personality and a style to it. The bow feels no different. I literally was talking to my fire team last night saying, I feel like goddamn Hawkeye right now. There's robots on the field and I'm stuck with a bow and arrow and I'm enjoying it. Um, no Quicksilver came to take cover for me or, you know, to cover me from bullets, but that's a different story and a different property. Uh, 
the forsaken voice actors and what the scorn are, uh, I swear to God, it's like sounds like the, the spider sounds like Ernest Borgnine. It might very well be like an actor of super higher quality than I mean, don't get me wrong, Gina Torres, uh, and oh God, the guy who plays Zavala, um, Lance Anderson. Yes, they are amazing actors, and so is and of course so is Nathan Fillion. But like I think it was I literally sounds like this grizzled old. Uh, Academy Award winning actor doing the voice lines of this grotesque forsaken creature called the spider who I love. He's great. He's like the cross, but he's like a cross between um, the Kingpin and um, gosh. Oh, and the forsaken. So he's like the forsaken version of uh, the Kingpin. I got a question though about this. Sure. I, I thought I read somewhere that, Nathan Fillion didn't come back to voice Cade Six for his stuff in. You are totally right. Forsaken. He did Snow not. Snow North, right? I was going to bring that up. We, so it, the the voice is done in this instance is done by Nolan North, and he does a pretty solid job of being Cade Six, if not uh, doing um, a Nathan Fillion. So, yeah, Nathan Fillion isn't in, was busy doing something else and could not. Pre's his role as Cade Six, so, um, yeah, but still, Nolan North is like an amazing voice actor on sure. so many other properties. So um, to to give credit where credit is deserved, the Spider is voiced by Robin Atkin Downs, who's done some Voltron stuff, some mm -hmm. voice acting in Battlefront Two, and all kinds of other stuff. Batman: The Enemy Within, Batman. And Harley Quinn, Transformers, Avengers Assemble, all kind like the I'm scrolling and I'm still fucking scrolling. This guy's holy fucking hell. It's <laughs> okay. He's been working a long time and done a lot of work. What was the actor's name again? Let me just scroll all the way back. Robin up. Atkin <laughs> Downs. Downs, yes. So UK actor. Anyways, spectacular oh. voice actor. Not at all what I expected. And motherfucker is my age. Great. I mean, Bender's also a voice in there somewhere, too. Oh, yeah. Vendor is Banshee, yep. uh, the gun vendor. And so every NPC uh, that you interact with, every NPC vendor has a story about Cade. Uh, Hathaway gets really gets really emotional. Um, I don't remember if I talked to Ikora. And once I'm done playing with my hunter, I'm going to uh, level up another alt and just go through it and pay more attention. Um, but even uh, <laughs> even our friend on IO uh, had a story about Cade that was rather sweet. Um, so Banshee actually uh, is the one that... So in Forsaken 2, Cade's prized gun is the Ace of Spades, which is a gun holdover from Destiny 1. Uh Cade, uh, excuse me, Banshee says, you know, Cade gave his stash over to whoever took him out. But I think we can both agree that that uh, Aldrin Saab shouldn't touch that gun. So I want you to go get it. And so he gives you the quest to go get the Ace of Spades. Uh, but when he talks about it, uh, Banshee, in, for the first half of Destiny 2, was like standing in profile and checking a gun. But when he hands you the quest, he turns and faces you now. 
Um, and so, and that's the new animation for Banshee, but I found that to be like, that's, if that's the first time you're interacting with Banshee in Destiny 2, it, it felt like, you know, a robot buddy is asking you to go avenge his robot buddy's death. So I'm all there for that. I'm 100% there for that. Cool. Uh, I have scratched the surface of Destiny 2, um, but everything that I loved about it, this is Destiny 2's Taken King moment. Um, it is, there is so much to go on. I, I took a, an assignment from Vince to go find the Forsaken nightclub in the new zone. I couldn't find it. Um, I also ended up actually working when I wasn't supposed to be working from home. So, sorry, but this game is, this is what, this is the problem though with Forsaken. This is what Destiny 2 should have been at launch. Uh, and I understand that they rebuilt a lot from scratch, but this is what people expected walking into Destiny 2. Now they're getting it in Forsaken and probably some extra, but they need to keep this momentum going for the rest of Destiny 2's life cycle. And they have to make sure that this is the floor on which Destiny 3 launches. And if it doesn't, like my enthusiasm probably won't go away, but I'm in the minority here. I know that. And I'm fine with that. Uh, it's just, they got to fix that shit. Like this game is a lot of fun and they could do a lot of stuff with it, but their own Activision Blizzard greed regarding loot boxes and bilking everybody for every last penny that they can get will kill the ambition that is, you know, a pretty solid game with a very neatly developed world with some pretty cool philosophical discussions to boot. If they had not so often tried to fuck their player base, I'd probably still be playing. I probably would have picked up the expansion and and be playing right now. So, but again, you choose who you want to support. Sadly, I I will support them, but only when the game is on one hell of a sale. At which point, then yeah, sure, I'll check it out. I'm assuming yeah. Vince, you did not pick it up. Not yet. No. Still waiting for the same sale. I I, I like a lot of the stuff I saw. And people I know, aside from Marty, who are playing it, have very high praise for it. But at the same time, I, I'm i going to give it some time. I'm going to see how it plays out. And then uh, I'll, I'll come back around and we'll make a decision at a later point. All right. All right. Was that it, Marty? That is totally it for me. Uh, forsaken. Quick question for you, Marty. How of are you course. liking the new uh, weapon system with uh, the slots and stuff? Oh my God. It's so great. I, all right. So I did the dumbest thing possible and I had so much fun with it. I ran in you with said, sure, Roger. I'll co-host your podcast. No, no. Oh, that's believe me. I've made bigger mistakes than this way bigger. Like one day, maybe we all sit together, drink whiskey and I'll talk about uh, the time I almost moved to the fair city of Edmonton. That Ooh. was a good time. Um, anyway, no, I ran into the new game mode Gambit, which I could spend a lot of time talking about because, um, which maybe I'll throw this in as in one more thing, uh, a jobsy and one more thing. The new Gambit mode, which is a competitive PVE event, is hilariously funny and uh, good. What makes it a bad thing for Guardians to do? So you're picking up these moats. 
these motes of darkness or something and you're putting them in a bank that this guy called the drifter is getting and he's encouraging you to go be a bad guy um basically as a servant of the darkness it is a bad play but oh my god it is so much fun and what made it the worst idea i've had in a long time was when i went and ran into gambit with three different shotguns because now you can have a shotgun in every slot what's not to love about a game where you get three shotguns like it was great um that and i i typically still roll with a scout rifle uh some sort of short range mid-range assault rifle and then uh a sword but i keep experimenting because now i get to put i get to carry lots of different stuff uh and it's been like it's a little a little funky on the ammo but i think it's um a step in the right direction for the weapon system but I won't really know until I hit uh, the soft cap at 500 power because that's when like, I'll be looking for a gun to keep instead of like blues that I'm just using to boost my light level and kill dudes faster. They need to implement soon the, uh, the same kind of thing that you get from the destiny item manager, which allows you to save templates of both your armor and your weapons so that you can very easily with the click of a button, switch all of your gear, armor, and weapons based on whatever um, spec that you go into kind of thing. Because yeah. once again, you're needing to use an external source to save yourself a lot of time, and and that, that just should not happen. So no, I, agree. I would love That's to see a, them fix that. That is an oversight on their, uh, their equipment manager situation. Like, thank God that it exists and you can do it like, you can even do it through a, your Amazon Alexa if you really wanted to, but honestly, they do need some sort well, of equipment manager feature. Yeah, but that's only for swapping guns, is it not? I didn't think that was for an entire set. I thought you could swap everything out with Alexa. I mean, I don't know. We turned ours off. But like in terms of saying, Alexa, equip my whatever set. And it will change all of your armor and all of your weapons at the same time. Not just equip this, equip this, equip this, equip, and so forth and so forth. I don't know. Maybe. Test it, motherfucker. Well, if I turn on, if I. <laughs> Shannon does not want me to have the robot in, on in the house anymore. And it was a short lived experiment. So there's no Alexa. I lost the argument about having a smart house except for the smart thermostat. She so. has got to come on the podcast one of these days. <laughs> I, sure. All right. She won't go on my show. She'll go on yours. Good to know. All right. Was that it for Destiny 2? Yeah, that'll be it. Like, I'll be talking about this uh, when I kill Aldrin Sov because I'm coming for that son of a bitch so hard. Oh. All right. Well, then, thwip, thwip, motherfuckers. It is time for some Spidey. <laughs> All right, let's put it on the table. First of all, I clearly bought it. I know Joe bought it. What about you two? No. Marty? Not because I, I don't want it. Just Oh, no, no, I understand. I understand. Marty, do you have it right now? No. Okay, all right, I have, that's fine. I could go out and buy it right now, but I'd also have to buy a PS4. And Oh, I that's right, I forgot. I have the money. That's right, I do forgot. It. But do buy the exclusive I, red one. 
Do it. Oh. Please, I want it so bad. I'm doing Dude, it. Like, you, you know what will happen, Marty? In a year from now, when that's no longer available, you'll be kicking yourself in the ass because you're going to pick one up then, and you'll be like, fuck, I wish I would have gotten the one that I really wanted. Yeah, yeah that's probably right. But um, I, I uh, there's <laughs> one game in this world that I want to play more than Forsaken or Stellaris, and it's on a system that I don't own. It, it's driving let, me up the wall, dude. I, and I'm not. Daredevil I'm, references in your game. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, dude, be crazy. I I am not exaggerating when I say this, and Joe's gonna back me up on this. I know for a fact. Um, it is a reason to buy this console. Literally, if you if if you're mm-hmm. only going to play one goddamn game, but play that shit out of it, this might be it. And. It is that well executed thus far from what I've seen that I can see myself losing hundreds of hours in this game and still wanting more. So, yeah, if you're on the fence about it, if like what we're going to be talking about shortly doesn't convince you, let me just tell you flat out. Again, this is, they're right. It is a console seller. Like, there was a uh, a pre-show leading up to it last night. At, uh, it started at 11.30 or quarter after 11 and went till midnight. Well, shortly thereafter. Yeah. And I missed a little of the beginning, but I did see quite a big chunk of it. And there was some cool shit there. Because it wasn't just the, the, the PlayStation people, but they brought in clearly the Insomniac folks. But they mm-hmm. also, and different people from Insomniac too. It wasn't just the developers. There was the art director, this fantastic woman director who just had some insight about the art of the game and saying how different decisions came to be because of the costumes too that was that really made me think differently about that white spider and not hate it as much. And um, they also had some people from Marvel over to talk about it. And again, some really cool shit that they discuss. And also they put a new trailer for Into the Spider-Verse, which is coming out Mm -hmm. in December. We'll touch on that later on. Joe, give me a chance. I'm getting to you. Trust me. I'm I'm setting it up here for you. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That's yeah. that's me agreeing, man. I'm, I'm trust me. I'm I'm handing off to you in one second. The only thing I'm going to say to people: we are going to be very careful not to be spoiling too much. It, it, the game literally just came out, so we get that. But we're a lore show, and we're going to still talk about the story. We'll just try not to be very spoilery. And also, a lot of what we're discussing will be stuff that is literally right off the bat, so it's not spoiling much in terms of story moving forward. So with that, Joe. <laughs> Joe, who started at midnight and crashed on his couch, um, with, yeah. uh, without spoiling... It's going to be hard. So I'm not going to spoil where, anything. I no, no, but I've prepared for this. No, but where are you at in the story right now? What's the big thing that you have to do? So... Unfortunately, my save file got corrupted when I fell asleep. Shit, dude, really? Yeah, so I'm started back over again. Uh so I am currently about 4 hours back into the gameplay. Okay, just so that I don't have to worry about this happening, what happened? It literally when I fell asleep on the couch, I must have like put the controller down in a weird way that caused the PlayStation to freak out. So, huh, okay. Right. I it, it I don't think it, it was not the fault of the game because it it was definitely a PlayStation thing 
So okay, I've been doing manual saves also so in separate now. slots so that I can always go back if I need to. Because I've been letting my so granddaughter play. Well, actually, both my grandkids. That is, that was, we had so much fun this afternoon sitting on the chair right up to the fucking TV, too, and just whipping all over the New York. And it was so much fun. And the kids adored it. But I digress. Where are you? Okay, what's the furthest point you got at then in the story? Oh, God, I don't even remember. I think it was... It was just about the part where he was about to figure out Martin Lee was negative, man. Okay, so yeah, you're farther further off than I am then. Yeah. Okay. So that was, so you're that up. was about where I made it. So one of the things that I've talked about on this show uh, is my 20-minute rule. And it's been a while since I've had to really invoke it, but I give games 20 minutes to capture my attention and make me want to keep playing. And this is only because I'm old. I don't have a whole lot of free time anymore. So you that, that 20 minutes, that's precious time. Spider-Man not only did this within the first 20 minutes, but before I knew how much time had passed, I had played for two and a half hours. Damn. It is, and, and I should also specify, Spider-Man is my favorite, absolute favorite comic book character that has ever been created period whether you're talking about miles morales peter parker the mantle of spider-man is the most important sacred thing to me especially because it was the very first comic book that my grandfather ever bought me who used spider-man to teach me how to read and taught me how to be a hero by showing it's okay to be a geek because geeks can still be powerful by sure. using peter parker as an example all of those Spider-Man you're all right with, but spectacular Spider-Man you have a beef with, you racist superior. bastard. It's Super- I meant superior. <laughs> Damn it, the joke is not funny uh, now. But, uh, Joe, I thought you also have a really strong connection to the Punisher too, though, right? I'm not I do. inventing that. That okay. was the second yeah. comic book that my grandfather bought me. Okay. But so gotcha. when I tell you that this game has blown away my expectations, I'm not saying that lightly. There are nods to the comic books. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. There are scenes and lines taken straight from the comic books. Um, I tweeted one out that is a little bit spoilery, uh, but it hit me in the feels, and it was one of those things that I put out there, like, this is the reason I'm going to play this game, and I'm going to put hundreds of hours in it. And it was an interaction between Peter and Miles, where Peter literally gives him the exact same speech that uncle Ben gave him in the comics when uncle Ben was teaching him how to stand up to bullies and to see that portrayed. It was, I started fucking crying. I am not even joking that all this. Go ahead. The story beats right off the bat. I thought were so well done. Like I, I haven't gotten to miles yet but I'm looking forward to it. And one of the reasons I'm... What's that? You already have. But here's the thing. I, I think I, th- I I've whipped past him at one you point. You did. Yeah, I thought that was him. Okay, good. So I was right. So, but I haven't spoken to him, okay? Uh, but because of the interactions that I've had with other people, primarily um, Watanabe, were mm-hmm. so well done that I'm like, I can't wait till I'm getting to talk to these other people because again, it's one of those 
they're doing it right. The stuff with Fisk is original. It's mm-hmm. engaging. He looks amazing. The voice acting is incredible. The lines don't just come off as cheesy, and and it just worked. So yeah, like all of the interactions that I've had thus far have just been spectacular. And everything about the game from the the reactions that you're talking about with like interactions with the named PCs or NPCs. Yeah, that's really, really good. And that's really, really solid. And they've blown away my expectations with that as well. Like the writing is superb. The voice acting is superb. They feel like I always imagined these characters would be like. But not only that, the random interactions that you have as Spider-Man with the random NPCs of the world are phenomenal. Whether it's you shooting finger guns at somebody and them giving you finger guns right back or you sitting on the subway and them like chilling and talking with you because they're dressed up like Spider-Man too. Like the, the world feels as varied as, and as much as I would like a comic book, New York to feel for Spider-Man and it captures it so fucking well. I know you're going to get into the city and I'm not trying to jump us into that right away, but Mm -hmm. it, it leads into this because it cannot be overstated that you are thwip thwipping around New York. You are zip lining around fucking New York. I was on top of the Empire State Building and I looked over and I saw another tall building. Forgive me, I'm not a New Yorker. I don't know what it was. And I thought, I want to see what's going to happen here and how long it's going to take for me to get there to get a scope of the city kind of thing. And I did. I went all the way there. It took a little while. I ran all the way up to the top. I got some incredible panoramic shots of the city. And you see the scope of it. But what's really cool is that, like you said, drop down to ground level then. And all of a sudden, you're again, you're seeing how... All of those blocks that a single line swing, you're, you're looking at like when you're swinging around one swing, pretty much like a city block, maybe a little bit more, even depending on how much height you get. And like you can go along fucking away. And each of those, if you go down, there's traffic, there's people, there's shit going on. Like it's amazing how much stuff there is. So when you do get ground level, and you interact with the people and whatnot, there's a bunch of different shit. Sadly, I found that there were too many reliances on certain canned lines. I sure. would have liked more lines. That wouldn't have been too hard. Yes, a little bit more money, but it, it would have been worth it. But regardless of that, there's so many different things going on there. And it's not just that you go down and bump into people. Like when my granddaughter was playing, well, she was having a little bit, more of a problem at different points of getting back into the air kind of thing and, and and swinging around. And at one point, some guy just fucking started shooting at him, at Spidey, for no reason. So she's taking bullets. And I'm going, oh, you want to give me the control? I go, I can fight. And she's going, no, I can do it. I can do it. Of course, <laughs> she's a kid. And I said, okay, go for it. And she beat him. <laughs> and I was going, just press all the buttons there. Just... <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just do it. And it 
If it would have been a mob, sure, Spidey would have died. But it was one guy, and she beat him, and it was so cool. And it was just a random encounter on the street. So there's life on the street. That's why when Spidey keeps talking about in the comics uh, and in the, the movies of being street level kind of thing, you do get an amazingly different perspective in the game as well of what it is to be high up, flip flipping around versus on the street level. And I fucking adored that. So let's talk about landmarks for a little bit, because I feel this is kind of an important thing to bring up for this game, especially because it really showcases how much Insomniac Games and Marvel is banking on this. So we talked about this before. There is a a fee for landmarks when you represent them in in any sort of media, whether it's print, um, video, or games, whatever. The list of actual landmarks that they have in this game so far is still being compiled. Insomniac Games hasn't released a complete list, but yes, the Empire State Building is an actual representation of the Empire State Building. It's one of my favorite buildings. I went to fucking school for architecture for so like I noticed that the Hamilton monument is there like these are all just random places that you can find there is a ton of them and each one of those costs them an exorbitant amount of money to put into this video game that should tell you how much they care and how much they're banking on this that's a big deal to me. Correct me if I'm wrong, the, the New York Library is the one that has the big lion statues in the front, right? Yep. Is that in the game too? Yep. Okay, cool. I haven't seen it. Again, I've been <laughs> ziplining all over the goddamn place just looking at shit too. Like, I've been doing the quests and things like that. And and Vince, they thought of you. <laughs> Same as Batman's Joker shit to, to collect. You have to collect backpacks that he has forgotten over the years that. <laughs> that are still to, that are still webbed to walls and all over the place, all over the city. Oh my God, and so in good. getting them, you get crafting materials that you can use to make new gear and stuff like that. As soon as I saw the first one, I went, well, I know what Vince is going to be doing for a few hours. Yep. Well, and the interesting thing about that, too, is the backpacks all have iconic items from yes, previous yes. stories. Like one of the first ones you find has the first menu of the very first date that Peter Parker and Mary Jane went on because he kept that. Of course he did. Or it has, you know, ticket stubs and it has, you know, little plushies or little things, knickknacks that, you know, Peter's collected or screwed around with over the years. Uh, experimental gadgets and fluids that didn't quite work out to be useful but he still threw them in the backpack and just kind of forgot that they existed. And it's such a really cool little touch. Well, it's um, a tie to the comics as well. It is. Because he's constantly just webbing his pack somewhere. And, like, granted, there's a few too many. So you have to suspend disbelief. It's a game. Sure. But it's fun. And it is a uh, such a nice tie to the comics because of the nostalgia in it too like joe was saying fuck i adored it compared to the joker things which yes were clever and were fun to figure out some of them and, and whatnot but th it didn't have this kind of of history this kind of tie to your character very specifically their history and i adored that 
Yeah, and it, it's such a nice little thing. And one of the other cool things that you can do is with the crafting materials that you get from all of these these things, finding the landmarks, breaking up crimes, finding backpacks, you can craft suits, uh, which is the primary way of how you get them. Uh, and they range from everything from the traditional ones, the Scarlet Spider, uh, you have the the regular homecoming suit. Um, you have the damaged homecoming suit. You have the new one, which I think is actually really clever how they worked that into the game and how it was created. Yes. Um, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, Spider-Man Noir is in there, which is the one I'm currently running around in because why the fuck not? It's fucking amazing. Um, Punk Rock Spider-Man, which is in the comics. Um, it, like, you can just craft all these. And then there's a bunch of suits that they created specifically just for the game that have no ties to the comics at all which is really really cool um what, hold on a second what i really like too is that um you can equip those right away some of mm -hmm. them or you can look at what's required to unlock it and work towards that it's not like Batman where you have to finish the game or some other games that do that too where you have to finish the game and then oh now you can unlock these other outfits and wear them if you want to do our new game plus and things like that no i want to be able to play it immediately in whatever costume i want and this does that like i'm running around now in the one that they invented that has that kind of futuristic look and the blue mm -hmm. glowing spider which is fucking awesome and i've got it equipped with other mods and abilities from other costumes because that's a thing that you can do you can mix and match because different outfits come with different abilities and but you can take them and just kind of shift them into whatever costume you want. Again, during that pre-show, they were saying we wanted to put a system in place where you can be the Spider-Man that you want to be. So, like, I've got this futuristic kind of outfit with the nice blue glowing spider and whatnot, sleek as fucking hell. And I've got the superior Spider-Man claws from the back that come mm -hmm. out kind of thing that we also saw in the Tony Stark outfit that they did for him. But yeah, I've got those, which those are fucking kick ass. When you activate those motherfuckers, thugs drop. <laughs> it's very fucking cool. But yeah, the, the suit system in this game is fucking amazing. I just adore it. So let's start talking a little bit about, since we're on the suits, we'll talk about the, the official new suit, the one that was created specifically for this game that will be making an appearance in the comics that we're releasing later on this month um, that ties in these with the other ones, which is basically another Spider-Verse uh, storyline. You in this game as Peter Parker have a job, and it's not at the Daily Bugle anymore because that that you're not a teenager anymore. You're not, you're, you've moved beyond that. You have your own place, you've moved out you're not even dating Mary Jane anymore at this point. Y'all broke up. You're working for Doc Ock. And you're working for Doc Ock before he becomes the villain. He's a nice guy. He's a super nice he's guy. He's a fucking amazing guy. Like, I wow. love this Doc Ock. This, is, this to me, is the best representation of pre-villain yes. Dr. Octopus that I've ever seen. I agree. I agree. Because, like, in the, um, uh, the Toby ones... That who was that again? That was Alfred uh, Molina. Was it? Yep. The um. Yep. His version he was, was 
he was close, exactly. He was friendly. He had an affection for Peter. But it wasn't like this. Like this one here, when you are in the lab, if you take the time to investigate everything, which the four of us, that's our personality type, so you'll find the same thing, guys. Like you listen to the logs that he's recorded. You listen to the conversation that he's having with somebody else at one point. All these other things. And you see how much... Not just affection that he has for Peter, but respect for his mm-hmm. genius and also that kind of fatherly wanting to guide it as well and help him really reach his highest potential. Like there are so many things and also being blind to the obvious because of that affection <laughs> and not wanting to jump to the natural conclusion kind of thing. So there was, there's genuine moments of of affection Again, something as simple as leaving the post-it note on his forehead on while his he forehead. was sleeping is just a cute little thing that you know you wouldn't do that with just a co-worker so, or an intern let's talk about that because this is this happens really early into the gameplay this happens within the first like hour of gameplay so yes this is mildly spoilerish i'm sorry but it's not going to ruin your enjoyment of this moment it really won't peter decides that after he gets all jacked up and his suit needs repair that he needs to go somewhere to repair it so doc Ock, uh, octavius has left the building that they work at and he's like i'll just go there it has all the tools i need everything's fine you know and he's not there so i can work on it in peace nobody can find me i know where all like security cameras and shit are let's go back so he goes back and he starts working on a suit and then octavius walks in on him and he's trying to be all coy and like, you know, stand between him and the suit. And Octavius, like, what are you doing, Peter? Like, what's going on here? And Peter's like, oh, it's just a it's a, it's, a, it's a personal project, personal project. Don't worry about it. So he moves him out of the way and he sees that it's a Spider-Man suit. And so he goes on and he's like, oh, you know what? This makes so much sense. This, you know, this this is obvious. Like, I should have known. I should have realized. Like, this is why you're late all the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Peter's like, I want, you know, I really wanted to tell you, but I just didn't want my family to, to be a, become a target and uh, you know, I'm trying really hard to keep everybody safe. And he goes, you know, I, I 100%, I, I understand. People who create things like us for other people would definitely be a target. And Peter's like, wait, what? Doc Ock just thinks that he's creating Spider-Man's gear for Spider-Man, not that he's actually Spider-Man. And it's because, and when, like Roger was saying, like when you're listening to the tapes, it's because Peter's a genius. Like he wants to help people, sure, but he's an absolute brilliant scientist. And that's all doc can really see him as he doesn't see him as this guy, you know, swinging from rooftop to rooftop, you know, punching out bad guys, but he still sees Peter wants to do good. And this is how Peter in his brain can do good. And so when that post-it note wakes up, it's doc Ock that took the liberty of creating a brand new schematic called the white spider for Spider-Man for a brand new suit using new materials as an upgrade so that Peter could continue the good fight. And it was just one of those moments, like even Peter, cause like, does he ever just stop inventing? The answer is no, he doesn't. If this is moment. not a nod or an inspiration that came from superior Spider-Man where Doc Ock takes over Peter's body and becomes Spider-Man, but a better version and tweaks the costume to make it better. If that's not a nod to that, I, I will be very, very surprised. I, I'm very convinced that it is as well. And I but loved I, yeah. that. I fucking love that. It was it was a nod to 
Let me put it to you this way. I have not been reading a ton of comic books lately for a number of reasons, um, but I haven't been reading nearly as many. I, I've been very psyched about Spider-Man, the game, and not, but not to the point where I'm going to start reading it again. But then last night I was like, you know what? I, I should start reading some again. And I, I was going through some of the ones that I'd already read, and I'm, I'm going to get caught up again. And it's because I remembered again, just how much enjoyment I had with that series. Like when we were covering Superior on Comic Book Informer, I looked forward to every episode where we were going to be talking about it because it was so much fun. And the fact that they're throwing in these nods to the comics and I can appreciate those moments in the game that much more makes me want to get caught up on what I've missed with this with with Spider-Man so that I can see yet more in this game. So yeah, it's it's fucking cool as shit. Now, one other thing that I want to give a uh, a a nod to as well is one of the cool things also that you're swinging around is the interaction, well, I should say shouldn't say interaction, but uh J Jonah Jameson and his radio show in the game because instead of just being a daily bugle like reporter, he has his own like Rush Limbaugh style radio show where he roasts you know spider-man and uh he's voiced by darren DePaul, who did a fucking fantastic yeah fantastic job like so much so that i thought it was um what's his name that played uh jay jonah in the movies uh, why can't i think of his name now oh i didn't think it sounded quite like that but it was close it was it was yeah it was jay jonah you're listening and especially when yeah. he starts going into it because you hear those reports periodically as you're ziplining around town kind of thing and and yeah you i really liked that representation of of jj because it it is it is maintaining that that initial concept of who he used to be and not who he changed into over the years in the comics, which there was a reason for that in the comics and some was good and some wasn't. But here it's more important that he just be that foil. That's not really that dangerous, just that thorn in the paw kind of thing all yeah. the time. And and he, it works sense. the perfect, it, it works to perfection. And not only does that work for, for, for uh, work to perfection, I also want to give them a ton of credit for Mary Jane in this game as well for a couple reasons. One, her voice acting is done spectacularly, but of course it's Laura Bailey. So of course it's going to be spectacular. Yeah. Um, she's also the voice of Gina, by the way. Yeah. So, um, but the way that her character is written and the way that the character is physically portrayed in the video game is perfect. She's smart. She's charismatic. She cares. She wants to help people just like she did in the comics. But she's also not a fucking supermodel drawn by, you know, Einfield with like boobs that are three times larger than her head. She looks like a normal, still attractive, but normal person. And I appreciate that incredibly. And her tenacity in as the way that they write her in her sequence that you are introduced to her uh, into this game is so perfectly Mary Jane that I was blown away. Cause like I, normally when we see her in most of the movies and you know, the video games, she's very ditzy. She's very, you know, arm candy. She's very not important here. She's in the middle of the shit. She's exactly where she should be. As far as like her comic character persona goes, they've nailed it. 
and and that makes me incredibly happy. I haven't gotten to her yet, though. I I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ruin anything specific, but like you're when you get there, I will be very surprised if the first words that come out of your mouth are, "Damn, that is absolutely Mary Jane." Like, cool, cool. yeah. Uh, there everything- again, there's been a few of those throughout. Like I said earlier, where I'm just blown away by by the characters, but also by the interactions that you have with them. Because it's one of those things where we've all read a lot of Spider-Man comics, and we can all agree that there's some writers who are spectacular at writing it, and some that just don't get the character. And Spider-Man, more so than a lot of other comic book characters, those relationships are so bloody important They're pivotal what defines him is the relationship he had with ben that he has with me that he has had and has with mary jane etc etc those define him in a way that you don't always see in other comics certainly some but it's just front and center with a well-written spider-man comic book and it applies also clearly to the movies as well and and cartoons and now the games too and and this here like something as as silly as his interactions with Watanabe because mm-hmm. initially and and people who are uh, old school readers of Spider-Man and haven't read the new ones might not know that character. If not, yeah, you owe it to yourself to read the comics that she's in because she's a great fucking character with amazing depth. But anyways, so you're talking to her and initially you're getting that very uh, typical, stereotypical kind of vigilante cop relationship kind of thing. However, they don't also they don't waste time trying to lay the groundwork of how it came to be and all this bullshit. No, no, you know each other. You were together. There you go. And there's clearly a friendship that has a forced friendship in some ways Mm -hmm. that has forged between the two of them. But when you hear them talking to each other over the comms, like it's at points like he's respectful of her. He wants to impress her also. But you also get the kidding around like spider cop made me <laughs> laugh out loud and and he does like the batman voice as well and he's spider cop and he's narrating himself <laughs> and she can hear him so when you're getting those again simple little dialogue things but they're so iconic to each of the characters and their relationship and it's it makes that flip flipping around town that much more fun and authentic too you're not you're not in a bubble. You're you're still communicating with each of these important characters at the same time. Now, the other thing, speaking of the important characters, they portray them as complicated as they need to be. Yeah. Like, and I think that's also one of the it's one of the strengths of the Spider-Man comics that does has never really translated well, aside from I'll give Homecoming credit for this as far as the movies go. The Spider-Man villains are not just necessarily always bad guys for the sake of being bad guys a couple of them are um you know rhino's just big and dumb and then you have scorpion who is big and dumb uh but like Otto, and then you have characters like yuri well fisk and fisk jesus is, <laughs> yeah which was one of the better portrayals of fisk i've seen in a long time too like they're showing that there are complicated layers to these characters And not only that, but anybody who has read the comics for any length of time are also going to be rewarded 
by the nods that they are definitely laying the groundwork for this to become a franchise game. Yeah. And not just something that's going to be a one-off throw off that these villains are going to evolve. These characters are going to evolve. Like I'm already getting the, the tinges that Yuri will eventually become the Wraith. Oh, she has to, like, she has to like, but they're already starting to lay the groundwork now. Yeah. And that, I think that's important. Oh yeah. Like again, during the pre-show they were talking, um, Shit, who was it that asked the question? I can't remember who asked the question, but they were they were saying that at one point they were asking, like, what is going to be the Marvel Arkham? Because there has to be one. And they right. kind of said, well, we're kind of already working on one, and it's Spider-Man. And I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, I want in. I Like, I want yeah. to be working on this. Make it happen. And it's because you can so clearly see a path to a minimum three games that could be in the same vein as as Arkham, only so much better. Like, And that's coming from someone who is a massive Batman fan who adored the Arkham games, and this could be so much better, especially with the Spider-Verse stuff thrown in. And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like, this is something that they could produce any number of these games. And as long as they have oh, God, this yeah. as their base level of quality, they're going to get my money. Well, like, look at it in terms of the, um, ah, oh, shit. Their last game. Um, none justice. Um, fuck. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, whatever. The DLC they did wasn't <laughs> even the main character. It was the female character. Infamous. It, infamous, thank you very infamous, much. Infamous, yeah, yes. It's been a long time since I played it. But the, the DLC that came out, again, wasn't even the main character. It was another character, and I can't remember her name. But this is, again, setting up Spider-Verse in the game where a DLC could be Spider-Gwen. Oh, her, God, yes. Her fucking story when she arrives into New York and creates something for her there. And... and that's just one example. It, there's there's a lot of fucking spiders. <laughs> if you if you didn't read Spider Verse, <laughs> there's a lot of spiders, and most of them are pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so the idea of bringing different ones into the game world and extending the life of this franchise for Insomniac Games, it's endless what you can do with this. It's it's basically the strength of the writers and the willingness of the studio to continue on this path. Yeah, and there, like you said, there, there's so much that they could do with it. Like, I could totally see Jessica Drew having an entire story oh, arc. Yes. In um, I could see Silk having a story arc. And yes. like, there, there are so many things that they could do. And honestly, I would continue to throw money at this yep. because this is the first time I felt that a Spider Man anything has delivered above and beyond what it promised. Yep. So. I mean, and again, anything else I talk about is going to get into super spoiler territory, and I don't want to do that. All I'm going to say is this. It is worth every single goddamn penny to the point where if you have to go out and buy a PS4 to play this game, this is one of those few times I will tell you it is absolutely fucking worth it to go and buy a PS4 and buy this game. Like, support them, support this game so that they continue to make more of it. I am absolutely blown away from it. And even though I'm only a few hours in, this is already possibly up there as 
might wind up being my game of the year. Oh, yes, definitely. We're going to get into the comic stuff that's going to be happening with this in a moment. Marty's going to run us through a few things. But yeah. just to say, I actually started playing this. I didn't play last night. I, my, my brain was hurting too much, and so I played first thing this morning. But I decided, actually, I wanted to see what it would be like to play it in the PSVR. Because in just in the uh, the screen mode kind of thing, because clearly you're not playing in VR. Uh, but I made it a the medium screen, which is the one that's massive but doesn't move with you. And just so that I could have that scale of New York and it delivers. Like, holy fucking hell. The scale of New York when you're wearing the VR helmet with a large IMAX size screen is unfucking believable. It made me a little woozy at first till I got used to zip lining around. But once I had that down pat, it was amazing. And what was really cool is that, and this is a joke and attest to this too, and we saw this when we were watching all of the videos leading up to this that, that showed how much attention they put to the webbing around all over all over New York and, and how they wanted it to feel awesome. And it's not just, he's not just like in the cartoons where he's always facing forward and it's just like a doll being moved by a string kind of thing. He spins around, he bounces off the walls, mm -hmm. and they did it in such a way that it's organic. And yes, you can press a, a variety of different buttons to do different things, but you can even just smash around, and he still is going to be doing cool-ass shit, because you're Spider-Man. And at one point, um, like you're taught that, again, there's different ways of doing things. So you can get airborne by just kind of jumping and then thwip and doing that, or there's a couple of different thwips you can do that propel you forward. And then there's one where you do the the fairly iconic, where you use both your hands, and it, the, it attaches at a point, and then you pull yourself towards the target, which can either be a person or a building. I was going around town, and there's, of course, there's water towers all over the place, and at one point I used that maneuver to get to the tower and I thought okay I'm just going to propel myself over the tower and then just land onto there were a few other buildings nearby I'll just get there and keep going but that's not what he did while I was in the air motherfucker leaned back so that he was like horizontal and like the the water tower is held up by like posts and shit and he spun like a screw through the posts mm -hmm. underneath the water tower and once he was out the other side thwipped onto the building and took off it and my jaw dropped literally like i'm in vr and i'm going holy fucking hell like i didn't do that shit i pressed a few buttons and it was a quite literally jaw-dropping moment for me that it was that fucking cool like I, I I played for, oh shit, minimum three hours in the the PSVR, and then the grandkids showed up with my daughter, and then they came and sat with me on the chair, and we just pulled up to the TV, and we played for a while. Like, we had a ton of fun going all over the city, and there were encounters like that, there, or not encounters, there were moments like that throughout, where you just... You just happened to hit the right spot. Like when I was at the Empire State at one point, I was literally like I whipped right to the top of it and I was spinning around it like I was a pendulum. And and as you're going around, you're getting this scenic view of New York spinning around you. And 
it cannot be overstated how gorgeous they made New York look in like twilight <laughs> or like when the sun is just going down mm-hmm. and you're looking over the river while you're perched atop one of these massive fucking buildings it's it allows you to to rp your little fantasy of being on the 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 in the in the clouds pretty much and just overview of the city and it's just again i can see myself I don't want to say wasting because it will not feel wasted, but for lack of a better term, I can see myself wasting a lot of time literally just, and I, I'd said it before, and it's true, just zipping along town, stopping a few crimes here and there, and just generally doing that to progress and get some experience. Yeah, and it feels like that even in combat, too. Like, Oh, yeah. Then, like, the combat is so fluid and agile. Oh, and dude, the skill system. Varied. The skill system. There's a fucking skill system you can put points into being better at web slinging around, better at fighting, or better at what's the other one? The other one, uh, web sling, fighting. Shit, I can't remember now. But there's the, yeah, Evasion. there's a, yes, is that it? wait? Anyways, but yeah, there's the uh, there's these fantastic skill trees that you can put different points into so that again you are the like I, I put so far all my points into the the fighting because I was finding that was a little challenging depending on what level you put the game at and uh, and so the the moment you put some points in then you really have different abilities there as well that you can use like your spider-man has leveled up because he has gained experience from fighting so much and now understands if i do this at this point and this hey it's going to work a lot better and so now the fight's going up against a lot of armed men not nearly as scary because i know i can do a few things to pretty much dominate that fight like the the skill system is ridiculously well well done and when you group that with the mods and the suit special abilities you really have a lot of opportunities to play the way you want to play again your spider-man and and that's really a good thing because like i'm not going to the combat route i'm going down completely the defensive tree with all of my skill points right and like so now instead of like just hitting everything super super hard like it's all about dodges it's all about the spider sense and it's all about these cool aerial maneuvers and yeah it's it's just it's so much fun like i get to play the version of the spider-man that yeah. i want to play as exactly and and like look just the two of us we are playing completely different ways and both of us able to enjoy it a lot more because of that as well because we do have that that ability okay we've touched on that long enough now let's briefly touch about what is going to be happening with the comics because we've got again gaming comics then we've got the new comic stuff that was just announced with superior spider-man as well as the um if you want to touch briefly on the uh the the movie as well that's going to be coming out knock yourself out marty the into the spider-verse movie i don't know nearly as much as i should it's been uh, i've been working more on the comic angle we let nick handle the movie stuff <laughs> um but so spider geddon is the sequel to the spider verse event from a handful of years ago um and christos gage will be writing the superior octopus and superior spider-man uh books that are coming out as a fallout and are related to this game as every spider-man uh will be fe- well a number of Spider-Mans will be featured 
uh, throughout this upcoming series and the tie-ins. Spider uh, people. It is a what's that? Spider people, not Spider Man. Spider people, because I I was just about to say <laughs> there's also the spider there's literally a title called the spider girls uh spider gwen will be written by um sheenan mcguire who wrote a phenomenal series of zombie books under a different name and is a is a great ya author uh but i want to see so spider writer, may in spider may of course spider may will spider be may there. better be, in this. Will be there <laughs> what's that i said spider may better be in the game oh, or in the comics she'll be in the comics i don't know about the game um, but you'll find out before I do if she's in the game or not. Uh, but the idea is, uh, since it's a sequel to a previous uh, book called The Spider-Verse, where Spider-Man from across, Spider-People from across the dimensions were being targeted by a group of individuals called the Inheritors. And uh, it was actually Morlin uh, and his family. And Morlin was a not a top-tier, well-known Spider-Villain. But Morlin and his people terrified Spidey and then terrified Spideys across the multiverse, including a Japanese TV show, um, Spider-Man, who had a giant transformable robot. Uh, which Sp was uh, awesome. Lepuridon, which was hilariously good. We have Sp uh, Spider-Man Noir. We have Spidey 2099. Uh, we Silk. Uh, cosmic, sp uh, uh, sp uh, cosmic Speeder Spider-Man. That's really good. Cosmic Spider-Man, which is a reference to an early, late 80s, early 90s uh, story arc. Uh, and this is a story arc where Spider never left the cosmic power. He just, Peter just kept it. Um, and they're all gathering together to fight off the inheritors, Morlin and his brothers and sisters. Uh, I will not spoil the ending. I'm also having a hard time remembering exactly how it ended. I've read a lot of comics in between, but the inheritors were trapped in their in a web of their own creation uh specifically but now they have broken free uh the writer of this book is christos gage uh he also helped create and run some of the early uh superior spider-man stories with dan slot uh christos gage also wrote the lukewarm received captain america video game from 2010 which i don't know if you guys played I didn't. Nope. Which is saying something. It's even voiced, like Steve is even voiced by Chris Evans. So why didn't I play this game? Because it was that bad. <laughs> um, but the Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Geddon will be seeing a reun uh, the reuniting of all the Spider-Forces to take on uh, the Inheritors, including video game universe Spider-Man, uh, who will get his own book. Dan Slott, I'm not sure if he's writing that book, or another. But I thought Gage that was is a time book. No, the Gage is going to be writing the um, the one with the game um, Spider-Man, which makes sense given that he's done a lot of other video game related projects. Yeah. Some most better than the Captain America video game. But um, what's interesting about this is that they're tying. It makes perfect sense just given how uh, into the Spider-Verse, excuse me, in, uh, the Spider-Verse comic went because you were pulling characters from alternate timelines from oh, the, the eight arms uh, Peter Parker storyline where just pretend that that Spider-Man never fixed the extra arms. Uh, and there was a really great bit where Moreland tries to kill the uh, comic strip Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> which was like, I can't, 
I can't stand being trapped in this world. It's so saccharine. And why do you keep saying the same thing? You like every three minutes, you're saying the same thing. What is going on here? And that's the only reason why he doesn't kill him. Um, it's pretty great in that regard. Uh, so that is, so we're going to be getting that book and it is coming out. I have a Marvel preview guide here. Spider-Verse start, I keep calling it Spider-Verse. Spider-Geddon will be coming out in October uh, with, and he is prominently featured in a variety of covers. And one of the variant covers is a linking of all of the spider people. Uh, what's also interesting though, is that Peter's daughter from the old man Logan universe yes. is also going to be in this, mm -hmm. in this comic. Ooh, very interesting. Well, she uh, was in Spider-Verse. She was. Yeah. And she was fucking awesome, dude. You, you should also note that the, she was. Yeah. Yeah. You oh. should also note that it's not just October. There is a, uh, issue zero that's being released on the 26th. Right. I was about to say issue zero is coming out this month because the, 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 uh, October guide that I got from my shop. Uh, talked about issue zero and issue zero is already being plugged a lot. Uh, I was initially lukewarm about Christos Gage because I did not personally care for his run on Captain Marvel a couple of years ago. Um, he was part of the uh, writing her during the Civil War II era, which was not a good moment. Um, it's for anybody. <laughs> Civil for War anybody. II was not good for anybody. <laughs> no, but. Uh, Christos, knowing now that, like, looking into it, like, he wrote, co-wrote a lot of the Superior Spider-Man arc, which I also really enjoyed, uh, and has been instrumental in a lot of Doc Ock stuff. I'm a little bit more uh, looking forward to this particular event, even if I really don't want to pick up an event. And I reluctantly picked up uh, Infinity Wars uh, just because Jerry Duggan is a super cool, cool guy. So, see the reason that this is important. The reason why I asked Marty to bring this up as well is tying it right back to the game. Now, granted, some of these things are not going to be in the game. Some will, but not everything will. But it's because of the speculation of that trilogy and it potentially having to do with Spider Verse that if you play this game and you enjoy it and if you do like the idea of Miles Morales and the partnership between he and and, and Peter and different things like that then cannot recommend Spider-Verse enough for you folks and especially because it may tie in at some point it may and again I stress that I'm I'm really hoping it does but we don't know but if it ties into what they're planning and again we've heard little things here and there that lead you to believe that that might be exactly what they're doing and if so I'm on board uh, fuck I will pre-order all three games if that's what they're doing I'll do that now based mm -hmm. on the strength of what we've seen here so yeah so it's those are very, very cool story arcs. Uh, the Well, I shouldn't say those because we don't know yet about the Spider-Geddon, the one that's going on now that's going to be starting. But uh, Spider-Verse you can get now. So if you wanted to get the, like the, whether it's the Marvel thing for a month, and so you can read it digitally or if you find some old issues or whatever, then highly recommend it. And then you can always, if you're interested, check out the new stuff like I'm going to be doing because... Yeah, I'm I'm fucking on board right now, and I want to yeah. see what's going to be happening for the next Spider-Man games for Insomniac and where they're going to take this. 
not to plug Marvel Unlimited too much since Marvel doesn't pay my bills, but for if you pay not 10 bucks for one month and you might be able to get like the $3 deal still, uh, the collected editions of Spider-Verse uh, and some other, they're featuring Spider-Man all this month because of the release of the game. So you would get all of these stories for like $10 when the, when the trades and the graphic novels will cost you about 20 so if you dig the game and you want to get more into the comics, that is the most economical reason and way to do it. And I, I read Marvel Unlimited every other day at this point, and I still collect, you know, flops. So it's a good solid deal, especially on the iOS platform. It, it works way better than it has ever worked, um, which is a low bar, but it is still working pretty great right now. All right, we are going to be cutting up, but Vince, you've been awfully quiet with the Just Cause because you haven't been playing, but you got any comments or questions? Uh, I want it. Okay. Well, that, that, that makes <laughs> sense. Like, I, Me too. I'm glad you guys are really excited about it, and like I can share that excitement vicariously. <laughs> well, the way that I look at it is that we are basically your guinea pigs, and now you know. Yes, it's worth buying. And because again, this was not cheap. Like I bought the digital collectors, and, and it was a hundred bucks. So did I. So well, it's it's not. So cheap. did Renee. And what's funny, as as excited as you guys are, as many fantastic things I keep hearing about the game, it's probably still the second most important game to come out this week, as far as I'm concerned. Wait, what? Dragon Quest Eleven came out on Tuesday. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> So next episode, when we don't longer have Vince here. (laughs) Actually, next episode, Vince can just talk about Dragon Quest the entire show. We'll fuck off. (laughs) Come back in an hour. (laughs) All right. That is going to wrap it up tonight. Thank you very much for listening. We hope we didn't spoil too much of the game, but more encouraged you to go out and buy it because it is so worth it. We're going to be covering it a lot more as we continue to play it because... I'm actually looking forward to discussing very specific story elements already. And I'm not even into the really heavy shit yet, but I already am looking forward to having those conversations as we did with various games that were heavy in lore and as well with different comics and such. So I'm looking forward to discussing this for weeks and months to come as we progress through the game. So with that, you can find the show notes, of course, at For The Lore. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at For The Lore. Individually, Joe is Loader ZJ, Vince is at Simodian, and Marty is at Officer Gleason. And with that, we will see you guys soon. Maybe we're going to have a D&D this weekend. I, I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 